I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This program was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available, but if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword lovesport. listening to the Leeds Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I'm joined in the studio with John McKenzie and Josh Hobbs from All Stats, aren't we? It's a big show tonight because the international break is over. The championship is back. Leeds have a tricky tie against Barnsley on the weekend. Barnsley very strong at home, but Leeds, we know their ambitions this year. It is back to the Premier League. It is all or nothing. They are not concentrating on any of the cups because they are going back to the big time. Well, it has been the international break. We're going to be talking about how some of the players have fared. Did that? Did it come at the right time, the wrong time? Are they refreshed? But first, but first, shall I say, Josh, I believe you have a stat for us. Yeah, um, that's if Patrick Bamford continues his uh, current shots per 90, that's 3.09, his conversion rate of 22.22%, then he'll score another 27 goals this season, taking him to 31. Don't think that's too bad for someone that's highly criticised. I'm going to do something brave now because <laughs> we're three minutes in of my first time on the Leeds fan show. And let it be known, I have a very soft spot for Leeds. Okay. I'll tell you a little bit about that later. But that stat, as much as I love it, impossible for Patrick Bamford to do that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to maybe not make many friends. I might make a Are few enemies. Are you a enemies. Palace fan? I'm not a Palace fan, Ooh, no. Pa- I know a few, quite a few Palace fans that cannot stand pa- Patrick Bamford. Uh I don't know if we, we have any rivalry, but I'm an Arsenal fan. Okay. Is that okay with you two? Is that all right? That's fine, for the yeah. next hour, yeah, my lad. So right. We're between we come between the Millwall show and the Chelsea <laughs> show, so you know they're like. So this is, so an Arsenal fan's great. Yeah, this is if you if uh, me being an Arsenal fan, Chelsea Millwall. This is a highlight for me. This is the one hour. Hopefully, I can have some fun. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is the lead show. 
Leeds fans, uh, what do you think of Patrick Bamford then? Is there a mix? What's the consensus between Patrick Bamford? Because on the outside, I watch the Championship all the time. I'm not completely sold on him yet. Yeah, and not a lot of Leeds fans aren't either. So um, <laughs> you, you're in the right company here. But the reason why we've, we put this stat out is there's a lot of questions being asked about, mm. about Patrick Bamford and his ability to score enough goals for Leeds to go up. Um, and we were just having a chat actually with, on the way here um, just about uh, about whether or not Patrick Bamford is going to be good enough for us to get up. But w- w- one of the things that I think is so interesting about the, the Bamford, um, his scoring rate and his, his, his conversion rate is that um, actually, we're conceding so many, so many fewer chances this season. That actually, yeah, obviously his scoring rate matters and his conversion rate matters, but we're we're conceding so many fewer goals that actually um, that should be ameliorated a little bit by the fact that we are so good defensively. But that said, you know, everyone wants everyone wants your striker to be scoring a lot. We've got Eddie and Ketia uh, on the bench coming through. You'll know him mm. well. Um, and there's a lot of pressure for for Enketia to be brought on. Um, so that's the sort of scenario we're in. Bamford not scoring enough and Ketia chomping at the bit. So Well, I think it's the perfect segue because obviously if that stat is true and Bamford does go on to get another 27 goals, I'm going to be over the moon, let alone you two will be very <laughs> delighted. But one player that he could make way for is Eddie Nketiah. Obviously, from an Arsenal point of view, firstly, very uh, excited about his potential. He's a great prospect for us. Uh, we, we was a little bit surprised as a whole that maybe he wouldn't stay at Arsenal this year. You know, we could uh, play him in the Cups, Europa League. We tend to play the youngsters a little bit but Unai Emery felt for his benefit his development you know playing week in week out in a physical league like the championship would be uh, beneficial to him he hasn't started but he has scored a few goals a couple of key goals after this international break could you maybe see him now forcing his way into that side a little bit more John? Yeah, I think so. Um, there's there's certainly the potential for him to be brought in. We've seen um, we've seen Bielsa try uh, two strikers at front as well. Usually at the end of games when when we're chasing a goal, um, but it may be interesting to see if we if we do go with the three five two that we've been using. Um, that's one way of getting both of them on on the field at the same time. Uh, but I mean that said, Nketiah is a great impact sub. It's great to be able to have him as an option off the bench. We had him coming on after about sixty minutes in the Swansea game, so he get, he's getting a decent run out as well. So I think. It, it will be it will be a case of with Bielsa teams he doesn't like to chop and change a lot he likes to keep players in form play well he likes to keep players playing even if they aren't maybe quite as in form as you'd want them to be um so I think that Bamford probably has that starting berth for the time being but it's just the ability to have a player who's of Nketiah's quality um, as a backup so if anything happens he's in and then it'll be the other way around then it'll be Bamford trying to get his place back so I think that we I think that we will see more of him as, as the season goes on well hopefully you can impress another side uh, North London side you've done business with is obviously Spurs and Jack Clark he's not playing much at the minute as well Josh is he another one that could force his way into the side I find it hard to see where Clark gets in at the moment um he was uh, he was brilliant for us uh, in that time around Christmas last year. He was our our game changer. But he was that important. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like every time we needed we needed something, it was Jack Clark that came came off the bench and delivered it. When he finally got in the starting lineup, which we were waiting for for a long time, he absolutely destroyed Derby, and I mean that was one of the the best um, full debuts that I've seen of a Leeds player. But after he got ill uh, at Borough and collapsed, it was it was like a different Jack Clark. He didn't have that confidence anymore. 
And now that we've got too many lone players to fit in the um, in the match day squad, and with the addition of Costa, it it I just don't see where he's going to get in right now. Yeah. Well, he's struggling to get in the side. Let's look at uh, let's take take it back to the start of the championship season. I know you lot would have covered it every week here on the show. But you did have that brilliant away win to Bristol City on the first game of the season. And a lot was made, you know, uh, Jack wasn't in the side, Eddie and Ketiar. And I watched it, I thought, wow, he's going to play. And then, you know, but it was it was typical Leeds, a brilliant win. Hernandez, I mean, he just, he is, the for me, the, the player that, you know, I want to watch in the Leeds team. He was actually in the, the team of the month, wasn't he, as well? So he's the one that seems to make you tick. He's almost... Are you pleased with the strength in depth that you have or in what is a long season? Because some of the times Leeds have been labelled as last year, they should have got over the line, but maybe they peaked a little bit too early and they sort of ran out of, ste- ran out of steam. Is that a fair comment, John? I I don't know whether or not I would go all the way with that. I think it has to be said. We have to balance that with the the statistical evidence, which was we did enough to to win. Like if we'd have played, I mean, this is the problem with stats. If we'd have played that, that those few games an infinite number of times, we would have won more often than we would we lost. Um, obviously, we didn't play those games an infinite number of times, so so it doesn't make a difference. But I think the the thing that we've been talking about a lot on our channel is the way that Bielsa teams. Um, Bielsa teams are based around this notion that that you have a system and you can change players in and out of the system and the, the beauty of the system is that you can then play the players to their strengths within that system. So you're, you, we, we see it a lot with um, um, Gianni Alioski and, and, and Barry Douglas, a left-back. You can play either one of those two, but they have different skill sets. And when they play, um, Bielsa sets the team up in such a way as to emphasise um, their skill sets. So that's the beauty of what we have at Leeds, really. Is Yeah, we do have a bit of depth on the bench, but we have also a system that allows you to bring in players and, and tweak things around and you get something different. It's not just simply that you get a like for like replacement well Josh it was the international break obviously the championship returns this weekend Leeds do play Barnsley but obviously the international break has it come at the right time has it come at the wrong time obviously hindsight will always tell us but how disappointing was it for Leeds going into that international break losing that momentum you know 1-0 defeat to Swansea and at home do you know was the yeah I don't I don't think that had a real effect I mean it it was disappointing because we should have won the mm. game. Like we we easily created the chances to win the game. Uh I don't think I don't think it being either side of a break matters. Obviously we want to come back now and win, but we would have wanted to come back to the next game and win anyway. Because I don't, I don't really buy it's, into. It's a long time, I guess, a long time to have that sort of thing hanging over you. But I mean, at the same time, it feels as though the disappointment that we had immediately after the game has just sort of dissipated now, and it's it's just like we're now thinking, well, it's Barnsley. They're they're just outside the relegation zone. A lot of the underlying stats suggest they've been the worst team in the league so far. So it's probably the best team to have. Really, would you say that about Barnsley? Because if it, they, you know they beat Fulham on the opening day, they're very good at home. I know their league form has sort of dipped after that, but there's no gimme, is there? No, facing no, Barnsley from course who, who were promoted. Yeah, and as we're going to talk to Doug later, yeah. but they've been very unlucky this season. They've had they had I mean they had eight injuries going into the international break, um, which no one. Like no one likes, and they uh, that coincided with them playing against Wigan, um, and Wigan uh, that get that's a game that, that that they'll be looking at, thinking you know this this is a this is a point points battle for us um, to go in that with 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 like up to eight players that and some and majority of them starting players as well not available is 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 a blow, um, but yeah I mean if you look at the underlying stats it just, it does suggest that they were they were a little bit lucky to get a win against Fulham they should possibly have got the draw instead and then everything else balanced up but yeah there I think I mean. 
Stendhal's a great manager. He's he's a, he's a, he's a good guy. He's he's one of these um, young German managers who's come over. He knows his stuff. He's last season he was tactically flexible, um, and and he got them got them straight up in the season that he joined. He's obviously a good manager. Um, so the question is whether or not um, you know these little teething issues with injuries and uh, and and the fact that they're in a new league and they and then he's still sort of finding his feet. I think that you've got to take those into account too. But yeah, it's it's a sort of fixture you want. To, to, to come back to after losing a game like that against Swansea. Well, I know another issue you uh, both wanted to highlight was Calvin Phillips and his contract. Where are we on that? What's the latest with that? Well, he's signed. Five years. <laughs> there we <Five> go. <laughs> whether, whether he'll stay five years or not, I think is very much dependent on on us going up. But um, it's, it's definitely good news for us. and It's, it's what the fan base has been desperate for. Mm. How important is he to the to the team? Uh, I I think he's the linchpin. <laughs> John and I have a few like differing opinions. Well, that that is that why one, I asked. But... I was trying to maybe not fish, but <laughs> is there a little bit of uh, not? I don't want to say divide because that seems like the opinions are very of the extreme. But is there a little mixed opinion on him uh, between the Leeds? I fans? don't think there is. No, not <laughs> not they... a mi- there's not a mixed. No, <laughs> I think the majority of Leeds fans love Calvin Phillips. I mean, yeah. I love Calvin Phillips as well. I'm just maybe a little bit more um, pragmatic about about how well he's performed, mainly because I think and this is something that we wanted to talk about with with Liam. Cooper as well, um, playing playing for Scotland this week and not yeah. performing very well. What what impact does the t- the team that you play for have on the on the ability that you have to play well? Um, and I think that Calvin Phillips pl- is playing in a team that really accentuates like his skill set. Uh, were he to move somewhere else, and we were again we were talking about this before we came on, um, if he'd have gone to Villa, would he have been as good as he's been at Leeds? And, and we neither of us think that that yeah. m- would really have been the case. So, yeah. but in terms of the fan base, they they love him and rightly so. You know, he's a he's a, a son of the city. He's he's had a, he's had a great um he's had a great season they love his nan they love his nan she, his nan <laughs> the did, family are involved <laughs> that, yeah. that nan did well in the, uh, yeah in the, in the documentary series so yeah uh, i don't think there's any questions there well let's talk about liam cooper then because you, you was asking you know how can you perform maybe for your for your club and then your country how is it different how does it affect on you it can have a mental effect if you're you're traveling away someone like scotland if they're not in the best results then you have to come back for leeds what are your thoughts on this john so for Liam Cooper, I think he plays really well in a Bielsa side where we are dominating possession all the time. So uh, in terms of his um, the, the role that he's playing in that team, it's very much a distributionary role. You know, he's he's got to move the ball around and and help in the build-up phase. There's not many many. I mean, we we we've been saying like the leads are giving away maybe uh, maybe <laughs> uh, like four four or five chances a game at the moment, um, which which means that you know you're not, he's not seeing a huge amounts of um, events where he has to. Um, act as what you would th- think a classic defender would have to do. Um, whereas when he's playing for Scotland, that obviously changes. So again, the skill set considerably, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the skill set that you're then you're then working with is entirely different. So um, th- that's what we mean when we say team effects. Like what what difference would um, would would Cooper playing for a team where they're suddenly they're they're sitting deep and they're uh, they're seeing a lot of uh, pressure that they have to absorb? How would that affect things? So yeah, I think that that he he plays well in a high possession team, but maybe not in a in a different style of. Uh, well, different systems for different players. This is the Leeds Fan Show. Next, we're going to be talking to Kieran Maguire all about Leeds finances. Love Sport Radio, the station giving fans a voice.
You are listening to the Leeds Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I'm joined in the studio with John McKenzie, Josh Hobbs from All Stats, aren't we? We are talking everything where Leeds are concerned. We were just talking about how the players have fared on the international break. A little while later, we will be looking at the game on the weekend versus Barnsley, but I'm delighted to say joining us on the phone now, Kieran Maguire to talk all about Leeds finances. Kieran, an absolute pleasure to talk to you again. Earlier in the week, we were talking on the Newcastle Fan show about the failed takeover bid in the summer with Mike Ashley. Well, now we turn our attentions to Leeds. How are Leeds' finances? Are they in order? And how was uh, financial fair play? How big a part has that played in the last few seasons? Well, I think uh, Leeds were running a very tight ship under Mr Cellino. Um, yeah, that could be because he didn't particularly want to spend a large amount of money. Um, but what we saw in 2018 was that the... Uh, the, the, the dogs were released. The, the wage bill went up by 50% in a year. So the average wage for a Leeds player went from 10 to £15,000 a week. The club spent £28 million on players. It, it did sell some players as well to bring, that, that, uh, to bring some money back. But the club clearly decided to invest uh, in the playing squad. Um, and they, yeah, they were nearly successful um, as a result of that going into 2019. I think what will happen this year, because FFP is based on a, a rolling three-year period, that they're going to have to perhaps put the brakes on a bit um, and get the uh, get spending into a little bit more under control. Hi, Kieran. It's John here. Um, what what impact do you think Leeds being promoted will have? Is is it an all-or-nothing season for them? And 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 if they don't go up, with their, will their finances spiral? Um, no, I, I think, uh, I mean, the good thing about Leeds County is that they, their borrowing is under control. Um, they, they are, without doubt, the, uh, the biggest side in the, in the championship that's not receiving parachute payments, but parachute payments do distort the numbers. Leeds' total income um, was £41 million last season. Now, that compares to uh, parachute payments of about 42 43 for some of the clubs that have just been relegated. So you can see that they're actually they're starting off, as are many clubs in the championship, um, behind those clubs that have been relegated from the Premier League. But even so, uh, Leeds are, are earning considerably more, and, and that's because they've got a massive commercial arm. and um, They're very good at uh, signing deals with sponsors and partners. And, and the fans are very keen to to wear the to wear the famous shirt. So it, it is uh, they're good in in generating money, um, but they do have one hand tied behind their back because um, you know, they don't have the benefit of the extra money from from previously being in the Premier League for the last three or four years. Thanks, Kieran. Uh, this is Josh. Um, I I read an interview. Um, uh, with Graham Smith from the YEP that you gave earlier on in the summer. Um, and I just wanted to check with you whether I've uh, interpreted this correctly, but it seemed to be that you were saying that uh, Radrazani uh, had chosen not to inject uh, as much cash into the club uh, as he could do under PNS rules. Uh, and the reason that I asked that is because um, Angus Kinnear said on multiple occasions that uh, if there was a cash investment um, from as we were hearing throughout the summer, potentially QSI, um, that we wouldn't be able to spend that because of these PNS rules. Which one is right? Because that, <laughs> that confused me. 
Right. I, I think uh, what Angus was saying, if there was a huge investment from QSI, then if, if they decide to put £100 million into the club, um, under PNS rules, you can only put £8 million of that into your budget as such. So the rest would have to go on infrastructure spend or things of that nature. I mean, there are ways and means of getting around some of the FFP rules. I feel we've put, well, I'm sure that's for, going to come up shortly. Um, <laughs> you guessed it. Just because you've got a new owner coming in, it doesn't automatically mean that you can double or treble your, your player recruitment budget or, or your wage budget um, because of the, the nature of uh, the, the FFP rules, which effectively says, you're allowed to lose five million a year, but you can top that up to a further eight million, provided the owner puts money in in the form of shares. Now, in 2018, uh, Leeds did manage, did do that through um, the involvement with San Francisco 49ers. But I don't think, I mean, I, I, I do try to monitor all 92 clubs, so, so sometimes my memory's a bit hazy. Um, but I don't think they've put in a similar uh, £8 million pounds, uh, into the P&S budget for mm. 2019. Now, that, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, there's no reason why the, the owner should be expected to, to subsidise the club. But it does mean that, therefore, the, the overall budget needs to be uh, monitored with just a little bit more care. So uh, I guess following on from that, would you you mentioned that Chilino was running a tight ship. Tight ship. Do you think that do you think that Radrizzani is now running a tighter ship than he was when he first arrived? And what do you think will happen if if Leeds go up? Do you think that he will try and Mike Ashley it a little bit and do the the bare minimum to keep the the club in the league just so that he can cream off the profits from a TV ad, ad, ad revenues? No, I, I don't think there's any evidence of that um, from his uh, from his history uh, in, involvement in, in his involvement with with other sports entities. Um, in, in terms of getting into the Premier League, instantly you've got an extra £100 million to play with. Um, now, that will get followed up very quickly. Um, and a lot of that will go in, in the first season because clearly the manager would be wanting to recruit players and existing players would want to pay rises. But actually, it tends to get worse in your second and third seasons as the expectations of fans grow, but also the expectations of of, uh, of players, if if one of the players who's been who's played well in the championship, uh, they, they will automatically get a, a lift up in their pay going into the Premier League due to their contracts. But if they then perform well in the Premier League for that first season, I can guarantee their agents will be knocking on this on, on the chairman's door and saying you know, he's only being paid 35, 40 grand a week, and therefore we want an extra 10 or 15 because. Um, that that is sort of the going rate in in the Premier League these days. So you, you can get away with things in your first season to a certain extent um, because the players have all got huge pay huge huge pay rises, but their expectations tend to grow um, as the club becomes more acclimatised to the Premier League. And also, you're bringing in players from a lot of them from overseas as well, whose expectations are high. That sounds great. <laughs> I had a question about Derby, um, which I think uh, a lot of Leeds fans feel. Um, I think we we feel it's unjust uh, what what's happened with with Derby and the stadium sale, amongst other clubs doing that as well. But I was wondering, what do you see happening uh, now with uh, them and the EFL being sued by Borough, as has been coming out in the press? 
uh, but also uh, the independent assessment of the Pride Park sale? Well, I think there's two issues. First of all, um, was it within the rules for them to sell the stadium to the, to, to, to the owner, Noel Morris, and bank the profit for FSP purposes? Um, before 2016, that was not allowed. And then, for reasons which have never been made clear, um, the EFL changed the rules. So what they have done is within the financial fair play rules. So, so that's the first issue to deal with. The second issue is, if, again, you read the small print of the EFL PNS rules, it says that transactions must be conducted at a fair market price. Mel Morris says that um, he's had the club valued, or rather had the stadium valued at £80 million. Pounds, and you know, who are we to question that? I, I think the issue from Borough's point of view, they, they'll be saying, but well, hold on, if, uh, if Pride Park is valued at £80 million, pounds, how come West Ham sold um, Upton Park or the bowling ground, whatever you want to call it, um, they sold it for £40 million pounds mm-hmm. only three years ago. And, you know, when, when you look at the world's most expensive cities, you, you tend to think Singapore, Tokyo, San Francisco, Paris, Hong Kong, Derby. London, <laughs> Derby. Yeah, not, yeah, that's it. And it's, it's a bit of a strange one, that, to me. Um, so, that, so I think that's why... Um, Steve Gibson has uh, has queried it, and I think he's he's mm. perfectly within his res- rights to query it. Um, if you look at the other stadiums that have been sold, Hillsborough went for sixty, Villa Park went for fifty six, and they they've got both pretty big footprints. You know, they're both bigger sta- bigger uh, land areas than, than Derby. Um, I think the one which is perhaps most similar to Derby in time in terms of size and age and things of that nature would be the Majeski Stadium. And that was sold, again, to the owner two years ago for £26 million. Again, I'm not a property expert, and I, and I, don't, I don't know enough about the locality, but I'm surprised that property in Derby is worth three times the value of property in Reading. <laughs> so I'm just querying it. That's all. Well, Kieran, you might not be a property expert, but you are a football finance expert. It is always such an insight to talk to you. A pleasure to have you on the Leeds show tonight. Thank you for giving us a little bit of your time. Kieran Maguire there talking all about Leeds finances and what they can come to expect over the next couple of years. But next, we will be talking to Doug O'Kane, sports editor of the Barnsley Chronicle, all about that game on Sunday and the important three points that Leeds need. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to the Leeds Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I'm joined in the studio with John McKenzie and Josh Hobbs from All Stats, aren't we? And that can only mean one thing. Yes, it is time for the opposition view. Leeds play Barnsley on Sunday, 12.30 kickoff there in what is a massive game, especially just before the international break. Leeds went down to Swansea 1-0. Well, I'm delighted to say joining us on the phone, Doug O'Kane, sports editor of the Barnsley Chronicle. Doug, thank you so much for joining us and giving us a little bit of your time tonight. Barnsley, what a brilliant start to the championship. Beating Fulham, they was very underestimated there. Maybe Fulham overestimated from coming down from the Premier League into the championship. But since that game, it's not really been great, has it? A little bit of indifferent from there. Yeah, hi, guys. Um, yes, that's right. Uh, obviously, a great start to the season. Uh, it was a bit of a difficult summer with a lot of the promotion players being sold and lots of players being brought in and no one really knew what to expect. But yeah, fantastic first result. Um, unfortunately, that's been a bit of a sort of anomaly, really, in the season so far in terms of results. They haven't won any of the six games after that. Um, it was much better in the um, 0-0 draw of Wigan away from home uh, just before the international break because there have been some quite bad performances. But yeah, overall, five points from six, probably not the start they wanted, but also uh, not not disastrous and they're not, they're not sort of marooned at the bottom of the league either. So it's not, it's not the end of the world for a newly promoted team so far. Hi Doug, it's John here. Um, just a question about Hi. the injury issues. Obviously, the, the, it's no secret mm. that you've had a lot of um, injuries going into the, the international break and not all of those injuries have, have, have sorted themselves out in that time. Um, but obviously, the, you had the game against Wigan um, the, 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 week, the game week before the, the, in, the international break started. I'm just interested that you played a different system that, that time around. How much do you think that was in, impacted by the injuries or do you think that was a tactical decision by Stendhal? Yeah, I think it, I think it was... Um mainly due to the injuries. Um, I mean, they had eight of the uh, first 11 out, really, or the eye makers of the first 11, which is incredible, you know, mm. unprecedented, really, for most teams. Um, so they really had to uh, play players in different positions. They, had, they have a young guy called Toby Civic who was signed mm. as a centre-back. He's mainly been playing as a right-back, but he played in central midfield in that match. Did mm. really, really well, in my opinion. They haven't really got any strike fit, uh, first-choice strikers at the moment. Um, or certainly not sort of lead the line kind of player. So Malik Wilkes, the former uh, lead youngster, was was up front on his own, which isn't really a position he he thrives in. And they, but they, um, I thought they were a better team than Wigan. They uh, they created better chances and should have won it really. And that kind of uh, that kind of performance and, and character really, hopefully coupled with uh, a lot of their better quality players coming back to the team, where it bodes pretty well for the future. Mm. In, in terms of those injuries, then have you got an update? Who are you expecting to be back for the, the Leeds game? Um, yeah, there are there are a few. Uh, I think coming back, um, Corley Woodrow will, will, will be back. He's a really important player. It looks very much likely he'll be back. He's not 100, percent but they, they said they're optimistic, and that he's been training the last three or four days, so I think he will be. Um, he scored 19 goals last season. He only got one in four this season, but it was a spectacular goal against Charlton. Um, really brilliant volley from 25 yards into the top corner. And then he got injured in that same game. He hasn't played since, but he's he's massive for Barnsley because since the sale of Kiefer Moore, he's the one sort of real proven goal scorer in the club. And you really can tell they miss him when he's, when he's not there. Um, 
a few other players coming back. They've got Jacob Brown, a young player who's come through from an under-16 level all, all the way through to uh, the first team. Had a breakthrough season last season at right wing. Um, he hasn't played at all since April, but he is back fit now. Um, I'm not sure where they will start because obviously he's struggling with match fitness, but he was a real, real uh, big, important part of their uh, promotion side last season. He adds quite a lot of quality to the team, so he may come off the bench. Then yeah, you've got Alex Morant, who um, obviously you'll know well from the lead side of things. Uh, he is back as well. He had a, a neck injury from the uh, for the Wigan game, so he missed that. But he's he's back now. He did the press conference today, and it looks very much like he'll start. Um, so that's some quite important players. There are some other ones, um, Bambo Diaby, a centre-back who they signed in the summer, and Cameron McGeehan, who's Moet's usual midfield partner. They're sort of doubts for the for Sunday. I've got the feeling that there's an outside chance of them playing, probably less likely than some more unlikely than likely. Mm. Um, and then there's a few other more long-term ones as well. So there's a real long list of them. But yeah, um, uh, Moet. Woodrow and Jacob Brown are the, are the main ones that are coming back into the team. That, that's a big boost because that's a lot of quality for Barnsley. You mentioned uh, Malik Wilkes earlier on. He's a player that yeah. uh, quite a lot of Leeds fans, I'd say. I know that I was actually hoping we'd have a have a look at uh, over the course of the summer and potentially keep. Um, how do you think he's doing in the Championship? Yeah, I, I think um, Barnsley were really... To, pleased to get him really uh, after the season he had with Doncaster Rovers last season where he scored uh, I think 16 goals and was from what I can see one of the best players in, in League One scoring that many goals from, from the wing as a 20 year old was really impressive and Barnsley they paid, paid quite a lot of money in, in Barnsley to stand for him and were, were really happy to get him so far he's started all but one game uh, all but one of the games uh, he's been been a bit tricky to assess him because he's he's been played on the left wing quite a lot, which I think is the position they see him in. But he's also been played up front because of injuries to Woodrow. He's kind of he's never really got a long run of games in one position to sort of show what he can do. He has had good games and he scored a goal, a, a nice goal against Fulham, but um, it's more been glimpses of what he can do rather than uh, really uh, have time to properly assess him yet. And he, he probably hasn't hit the ground running, running quite the way he'd like. But um, yeah, it's been it's been tricky. Uh, Going into a new team who haven't who haven't made who made the best of starts to the season, but he's certainly a player who fans are expecting a lot from. I think most people saw him as the standout signing of the summer, and they're hoping that he can add that little bit of quality and X factor to get Barnsley the the points they'll need to at least stay up this season. In terms of the, the you mentioned the Leeds Leeds connection there with a couple of players, there's also Apahalmo that you mm. signed in the in the summer as well. Do you think that's going to play much of a part in the game? Do you think the the the, the players will be? I mean, obviously it's a, it's a Yorkshire derby as well, but do you think that there'll be there'll be a bit more of a bite to this game than than perhaps other games in the championship? Um, well, Alex Mowbray was speaking this morning in the pre-match press press conference, and he did say it gives him a little bit more motivation playing against his old his old club, but. Um, Always motivated for every game, and mm. I think that's probably the same with the other players as well. Obviously, the likes of well, all, all of them really, because there's Clark Adora as well. I know he didn't play very much for Leeds, but he's, yeah, he might not play for Barnsley either on Sunday. Although I think he might have an outside chance of playing at left back due to a suspension to Ben Williams. But mm. so there's four of them there, Harm and, um, and Malik Wilkes as well. Um, they all sort of obviously didn't make the grade at, at Leeds, hence why they've sort of transferred to Barnsley. So they've obviously got plenty of motivation mm. and to sort of pr- prove their, you know, maybe to Leeds and in in three of their cases to Bielsa that um, they, he should have he should have kept them. 
So, you know, the, it adds a little bit of an extra element to that. But I think, realistically, Mower and Wilkes will start. I'm not sure. It's probably a 50-50 chance. There's a couple of other players who could play at centre-back. Um, but, yes, yeah, so they're quite a fairly uh, healthy ex-league contingent in the Barnsley starting lineup or the squad. Uh, I was doing a few uh, calculations on big chances earlier on. Uh, and Barnsley come out second least in the championship for big chances created. Would you say, watching the games yourself, that you feel you're lacking in creativity? Um, I suppose so, yeah. Um, especially away from home, I think. The game, obviously this game's at home, but they, the matches at Sheffield Wednesday and Birmingham City, which they lost 2-0, I mean, Barnsley... They just didn't really look anything like the team that got promoted last season. They they sort of just hung on and hung on and, and didn't really offer much at all and then uh, got really gave gave the lead to the opposition by mistakes, uh, passing it around in front of their box and it was just it was I mean that they were trying their best and there there's no question of the work ethic, but it just didn't really seem like a as much of a plan to, like you say, create stuff and, and mm. test the uh, the opponents. Um in other games, though, Charlton um, at home, Fulham in the first game, and uh, Wigan away, they have they have uh, they have looked good and they have uh, made some good passing moves and, and opened up and scored and that, you know not created hatfuls of chances, but enough chances that if they'd taken them, they could have won the game. Um, so I, I think with the injuries that they've had and the fact that they're still getting used to the Championship level, I, I don't think it's too much of a major concern at the moment, though. That Hopefully, when they get their sort of main attacking players back, like Woodrow and like Brown and a few, a few others, they will start creating more chances. Doug, Doug, well, I need to put you on the spot. It is that time. Uh, I'm going to ask for a score prediction, but please, if you could remember, this is the Leeds fan show, so be careful what you say. <laughs> uh, OK. Um, well, yeah, it is a Leeds fan show, but obviously I've uh, <laughs> got to... Uh, we're pleased for Barnsley fans as well. So I will say that Barnsley are going to uh, turn up and give another good performance like they did against Fulham. But I, I, I'll go for... Four all? <laughs> four uh, all? Go for 1-1. One, one. <laughs> oh, I was much more preferred it when it was four all. I, I couldn't wait for that game. <laughs> Doug, always a pleasure to talk to you. Doug O'Kane there, sports editor of the Barnsley Chronicle. Just very quickly, I do turn my attention to you two, the Leeds fans in the studio. Doug Sam, 4-4. Four, four. Uh, John, what is your prediction for the weekend? I think it will be a fairly comfortable game. I think Leeds will come out 2-0 winners. 2-0 for John. Josh, do you agree? Well, I was going to say that, but I'm going to go three. Bamford with two. Bamford with two. Well, if, if the stats are anything to go by, and I've got to say, I'm loving this show because I do love a stat. He's going to get 27 more. I'm going to say... You know Le- it. <laughs> I'm going to say Leeds 3-2. So we're all predicting quite a few goals here. A bit of a goal fest. Well, it is a massive game on the weekend. Leeds versus Barnsley this Sunday, 12.30. Next, though, it is time for those listener questions. Love Sport Radio, the station giving fans a voice. You're listening to the Leeds Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I'm joined in the studio with John McKenzie, Josh Hobbs from All Stats, aren't we? It is stats galore. I must say, <laughs> I love a stat. I absolutely love a stat. Well, this is the Leeds Fan Show. We were just talking about the Barnsley game, which is on Sunday. A massive game there. We heard from Doug O'Kane. We heard from John. We heard from Josh on their score prediction. But it's time now to hear from you because it is the listener questions. There is a lot 
of listener questions. I hope <laughs> you two are ready. I'm sure you will be with the stats, but with the knowledge. The first question uh, about Adam Forshaw. Does Adam Forshaw play La Pausa or is he just too slow in the transition? And that is from Binky. I should say that la, pla- la pausa, for people who don't know, is, is a, obviously a Spanish word which uh, it references when, when players know to hold the ball a little bit longer because it changes the, the, the way that the opposition are, uh, are structured. I'm so glad you explained that, John, because I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. So the, the question with Forshaw always is, um, does Adam Forshaw slow down Leeds' transition? Um, when he gets the ball, uh, a lot of Leeds fans would rather see someone like uh, Jamie Shackleton um, because Shackleton tends to pick the ball up. He's young and, and tends to drive with the ball. And there's nothing better, is there, as a, as a football fan than seeing a, a player pick the ball up in the midfield area and just drive. Shades um, of Lewis Cook. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we've been spoiled at Leeds for, for, for that. Um, so the question is whether or not actually um, Forshaw is slowing down our transition when we pick the ball up is 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 he making it worse for us to create um, attacking opportunities my answer to that would be well we are a we're a possession based football side we um, are often playing against teams who are sitting deeper anyway um, and playing quickly on the on the counter only really works if you have a lot of space in front of you. Um, Leeds aren't really seeing that very much this season. Teams are either sitting in a low block or sitting in a mid block, which just means that they're, they're, they're waiting for you to come onto them a little bit more. So playing quickly actually doesn't really help you very much. So um, what Leeds are trying to do is they're trying to retain possession of the ball, move up the field and then, and then get it into into their wide area so that they can um, play the ball around and, and hopefully work it to the, the other side where there should be um, isolated players. Um, so for me, uh, I have no problem whatsoever with the way that Adam Forshaw plays. I think um, people who do have a problem with the way that Forshaw plays don't actually have a problem with Adam Forshaw. They have a problem with how Marcelo Bielsa wants Leeds to play football. Josh, do you agree? <laughs> yeah, I do. I just I just really enjoy John's Forshaw love. It's... He's he's quite vicious about people that <laughs> about people that don't uh, feel the same. It's definitely there for sure. <laughs> oh come oh, on! Dear. A solo oh. solo rent from me. Uh, but this next question, uh, someone who, who seems familiar, I'm not quite sure. I think this question's from Josh Hobbs. I, I'm not. <laughs> to be quite... fair, I sent this one two weeks ago. Not <laughs> you I didn't just, send this to myself. You are really trying to bank double airtime, and uh, this is not quite how it works on Love Sport Radio. But Josh's question, I'll ask it to John then, maybe. Uh, with Tyler Roberts stepping up his training and on the way back soon, where is he most likely to get minutes this season? As a striker, non-10, on the wing. He did very well last season at number 10, but it is working well there, and uh, now he's the third-choice striker. Yeah, that's a really tough one. Uh, he's going to have to work his way into the team, as we were saying before. You know, Bielsa doesn't just let people walk back in, but it's, it's not even like that there's any weak spots in the team at the moment. So I think that he played best before he got injured as a 10. Um, and I think there's probably that's probably still the best option he has, I think, really, of, of making it back into the team. Um, we've, no, we've not really cracked the 10 position. We play, we play Mateus Click there. But he really is a sort of eight, a more advanced eight, um, just ahead of Forshaw. So I'm going to say uh, I think he would play as a, as a ten. But I'm interested to hear what Josh. You, what do you think you, about you, that question? question yeah. oh, I think it's a great question. <laughs> yeah, um, you sent it in. That yeah, is... I know they must. Wow, they, they really think <laughs> they, they, but... they take it serious, and that's what I want on this show: commitment, <laughs> invested in leads. That's it. Well, I I think um, the reason that I asked it is because I I also feel like John said that he's probably best in that number 10 although he did play he did play well uh in the short time that he played number nine for Leeds when we had Bamford and Roof out injured last year but I 
now see, obviously, as John says, Click is playing there. Uh, we know that if we need to make a change, I think it's more likely that Click comes off, Hernandez comes inside, Costa comes on on the right. So I, I don't know where Roberts fits in there. We did see him once or twice on the left, so perhaps he could replace Harrison. I don't know. It's a good problem to have because he's an excellent player. Yeah. But Well, talking uh, about players, uh, the next question is about injury woes. Which player would we miss the most if there was a long-term injury? And that is from Stephen Hill. I mean, I think everyone would think Hernandez. I, this is a difficult question. He is... He is he is the best player in the league as far as I'm concerned but I actually think perhaps we would be able to replace him because of Costa uh, and shifting players around the system the player we would most miss for me is going to be Cooper mm, interesting John do you disagree uh, I I would have I would expecting you to say Calvin Phillips then because I don't think we really have I mean, I guess we could play Forshaw there and that's what Bielsa said today in his press conference. But I think we would feel as though... The, the reason why we've been so good this season is because we've had those three midfielders in that orientation every single game and that makes it just makes everything work for us. So as soon as you're losing one midfielder, I think you, you're you probably going to end up losing something of that with the maybe the exception of Click. Mm. But um, Cooper, yeah, interesting because I think like Ben White's been the, sure, well, surely yeah, the, the, the better the centre-back. Ben White's been amazing, but for me the reason Ben White has been so good although he still obviously played well with Berardi uh, against Stoke but we've basically had Cooper dominating in the air and Ben White's able to come out and play bring the ball out he's amazing at interceptions uh, Ben White but quite often it might be Cooper marking the striker if it's a one striker system Mm. Ben White clearing up and I think if that had to swap to Ben White marking that striker because Berardi was in, I'm not sure if it would be the same. Yeah, that's 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 good. I'm going to say Pablo, though. <laughs> Pablo. Yeah, it was yeah. an e- easy answer. Okay, <laughs> the next question is about contracts. What is your thoughts on the massive contracts the club have given out this week to players? Are we seeing a real shift at the club on the long-term vision? And when was the last time we gave out a five-year contract? That question is from Barney. I have absolutely no idea when we last gave out a five-year contract. It may be the John, case we... you with the stats. You yeah, don't know. Sorry. That's not the sort of stat that I know. That's, yeah. that's, like, that's history, isn't it? <laughs> nice save. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's it's nice to see, obviously, Calvin Phillips getting getting his contract, but players like Cooper and, and Dallas as well mm. announced this week. Um, and questions about whether or not Click's going to get a, a, a contract update in the next few months. Phil well. Hay says it's close. It's close, okay. So I, I I think one of the things that's been great about having Bielsa at the club is it just feels so much more professional. Like everything that's happening is done for a reason. We had we we got rid of over 30, like thirty ish players this this summer um, off our books, and it's just little things like that where you think you're, you're just tidying up uh, the, the 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 wage bill stuff. How like that. important is that, John? Sorry to interrupt you, but people obviously as fans we're thirsty for transfer knowledge. We want to sign as many players as possible, mm. but it's just as important to get you know trim that fat, isn't it, and get mm, rid of yeah. the deadwood. People don't realise that. 
yeah, and, and I mean there was there was players in our on our books who were just never going to play for us, and you know they just they they just sit there, they often eke out the wage budget, or they you end up doing a huge amount of administrative work trying to get them into other clubs because you can't get rid of them. So it's it's nice having a manager who knows what he wants. He he he, he likes a small squad anyway, but he also knows there's no point if, if there's a player who's never going to make it into your team, don't keep them on, move them move them on as well. It's good for their development as as, as much as anything. And so um, when you start seeing the these sorts of co- um, contracts being given out. You know that actually Bielsa wants this, these players. These are players that he wants on his team, and it, it's just nice to see see that sort of thing happen. All right. Well, we're talking about the manager style over success. If you had to choose, in theory, would you rather a season of class football but falling at the final hurdle like last year, or would you rather gain promotion by playing negative, boring football, a la maybe under Tony Pulis? And that is from Joe Hill. It's oh, a tough one, that isn't it? Question. Can't have your cake and eat it. <laughs> oh, what a horrendous question. Sorry, let me change it. (laughs) Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This Mother's Day, treat Mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.